So often, the greatest thing keeping us from living the life that God has for us is us. Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. When we see how God has set us free as individuals and the church, we are unleashed into a rich, powerful, and full life with Him. As we begin this new year, we are given a choice. Continue to pursue a life playing it safe or a life of fully being unleashed. Join us for this series as we discuss what it takes to be unleashed. All right, good morning, church. With an intro like that, I feel like coming up here going, sorry. Online, welcome, and we're glad that you're joining us also. Hey, last week, I got to share our 2022 theme. I'm going to challenge you. Does anyone remember what our theme is? Oh, that was so pathetic. Come on, you could do better than that. What's our theme for 2022? Unleash, yes. And kind of the subtitle for this is Faith or Fear. Because the reality is we all have a choice, don't we? Did you know that? That God created us with free will and we have the ability to choose. I praise God that I wasn't born a robot. That automatically just said, I love you, I love you, I love you, I praise you, I praise you, I praise you. Aren't you glad that you have free will? But then are there moments where you wish you didn't? (laughs) Like, God, just make me do whatever's right. Well, we get to take a look at this theme throughout the year. And as I shared, you know, there's story after story from Genesis, the first book, to Revelation, the last book in the Bible of story after story of men and women that led unleashed lives. And my prayer is that you would want to live an unleashed life that you specifically would choose faith over fear. Let's pray. God, it is good to be in your house. And for those of us that are online, I'm just so grateful for those that are choosing to join us from their couches or from the beach or from a park or wherever, Lord. We come under your authority, your word, and we ask for your Holy Spirit to just connect us with your truth. And God, help us, help us, because we need help, especially in light of today's message. We need help to overcome evil in this world. And we need help in in really holding on to our faith and to the hope that comes from that. God, as a messy preacher, I pray that you help me preach a, a messy message that connects to messy people that's filled with a lot of hope. God, do your thing in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen. So we're going to jump right into our theme verse, verses. I keep saying verse, verses of the year. So uh, it's Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And one of the actions that I gave you last week was I would love for you to start memorizing these verses. And I know it seems like a lot of words, but you can do it. And more importantly than just memorizing these, these are words from the mouth of God that are promises that we get to cling to, that we get to hold on to. Amen? So here we go. And as a matter of fact, I want to do this. Uh, From home and here, can we read this together? We're going to read these words together. We're going to go start with Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Ready? Therefore. Therefore. You like that? All right, ready? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Isn't that a great line right there? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, 
For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I want us to focus on this very first part of what we just read. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, we are surrounded by a great cloud of what? A great cloud of witnesses. I I have to to say something. If you're not in a life group, I would love to encourage you that 2022, this would be your year. And right now, because of all that's going on, you know, in our culture, we've, we've, we've given our life groups the choice to meet on Zoom or in person over these last few weeks. And, and I would say a lot of our life groups actually met on, uh, uh, on Zoom, but uh, we braved it. My life group, we met here Wednesday night. It was amazing. It truly was amazing because we got to go over this, these verses right here, but we got stuck on the very first part. Therefore, since you are surrounded by such a great cloud of what? Witnesses. And we talked about it. Like, who are those witnesses? And we learned uh, that the Bible should always interpret the Bible, right? I mean, that's our first place. And so Hebrews chapter 11 tells us who that is or who those people are. And it gives this list. It says Enoch, and, and, and it says uh, Abel had faith. And, and then it just gives a list of all these people. But we talked about this. That's awesome. But I'm thinking Colosseum. I'm thinking 100,000 people that sit in the Colosseum. Such a great cloud of witnesses. Not just a few. And again, those are awesome. But we talked about all the hundreds of thousands of people that walked this earth after this list in Hebrews chapter 11. That walked through things that you and I have walked through. They too are sitting in the stands and they're cheering you on. Doesn't that feel good? You're not alone. And as a matter of fact, we went as far as it's not just people that have passed from this earth, but there are real people on this earth that you could touch, that you could listen to, that you could speak to, that you could see, that are also a great cloud of witnesses. Does that make sense? They're cheering you on. So you and I are not alone. And all God's people said, we're not alone. And I think that's so important. But for our purposes here today, we are going to go to the who. Who are these great cloud of witnesses that the author was talking about? And we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And again, what a great definition of faith. And in verse one, it says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. Then he goes on and says, you know, Abel had faith and Enoch had faith. And then you get to verse seven. Are you there? Verse seven. Verse seven says, by faith. By what? By faith, Noah. And there's, there's, there's our real life unleashed person that we're gonna look at today, Noah. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, He condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with what? That is within keeping of faith. So so unleashed is our theme. Fear or faith or faith or fear, our choice. And so in this series that we're doing right now, we're going to look at real life people. We're going to look at Moses. We're going to look at Noah. Moses would be a good example. But specifically, we're going to look at Noah today. And I'm just going to keep the tension you know, just, unless you're wondering, 
We just read it. Noah chose what? Noah chose what? Noah chose faith. Noah chose faith over fear. So let's look at his backstory. So we're going to go all the way to Genesis, the very first book in the Bible. Okay, we're going to go to Genesis and we're going to learn a little bit. We're just going to scratch the surface on Noah's story because we just learned that he had faith. But for you and I, especially, let, let me say this. If I were to ask you to raise your hand, which I'm not, and I said, hey, how many of you know the story of Noah? You know, we'd have probably a handful of people that raise their hand. And then I say, how many of you don't know the story of Noah? And sheepishly, we would raise our hand. I want to say this. If you were in that latter group, if you don't know about the life of Noah, you are in the right place. Amen, church? We are so glad that you are here because you are going to be enlightened to an amazing man with an amazing story of faith over fear. And for those of us that know this story, this is going to remind us. But it's also going to be something we can watch and look through the filter of faith or fear. So Noah, we're going to go to his story, Genesis chapter 6. You see, I'm a little excited about this. All right. I'm... I'm going to let you read verses 1 through 4 on your own. A little bit of foundation that's being given there. But here we're going to go to chapter, uh, verse 5. Are you ready? Verse 5 says, The Lord saw how great the what? The Lord saw how great the wickedness of who? <laughs> the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth. And that every inclination, this is mind-blowing, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the I don't know. I don't know if you have a still-trapped mind. I don't. And what I'm learning is the older I get, the less stills in there. <laughs> it's like, oh, I forgot. I'm on the other side of the wall in my office studying this verse this week, and I couldn't get past this. I couldn't get past this. I read this over and over again. Matter of fact, I'm going to read it again to you. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil. All all the time. What do you think about that, friends? Then he goes on and says, the Lord regretted. Oh my gosh, what? The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on earth. And his heart was troubled, deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created. And with them, the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have made them. That's crazy, isn't it? That's crazy. I just, and I'm putting it in the context. I, I said it last week. I said, you know, it's funny. Uh, this New Year's, to me, seems a little different. Seems like a lot of times we walk into the new year and we're all hopeful and we have these goals and we're excited and then about a month later, reality hits, right? I don't even think it took a week this year. And I'm not the only one. I mean, literally. And, and I say this with love, but I mean, the heartache that has been walking in my office the last two weeks is just, it's like, why? 
and the questioning of God and, and the pain and the despair. It's like, what? And I want to go off a, a little bit here because there's some theology in here, and I'm going to call it Rob's opinion, okay? But this is, the, I read this and I'm like, oh my gosh, because a lot of people are like, why is this happening to me, Pastor Rob? Why is this going on in my life? Why, why, why now? And, and why, and I'm, you know, dot, 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 dot. You know, you fill in all the blanks. And, 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 and I, I have questions like that. But specifically a lot re, uh, around suffering. And, and there's some great theology right here that, that I want to pull out. Because one of the things that your pastor believes, I'm not saying this is, I'm not speaking on behalf of God. I'm just telling you my opinion. And and the number, don't get caught up in the number. It just shows you how much I think this. 95% of all suffering has nothing to do with God. That's what this pastor believes. And you could, you know, the number doesn't matter. It just means a lot. And a lot of stuff that we want to put on God has nothing to do with God. It has everything to do with free will. Because what is amazing about God is that he has given us the ability to choose. The problem with that is we don't always choose good. (laughs) We don't always choose right. So suffering comes in our life, not because God brought it, but God could use it. Suffering comes in our life because of choices you and I have made. And then there's that person that's going to raise their hand, but I didn't make a bad choice. And you know what? I'd agree. Because some suffering also comes as a result of our proximity to people that have made bad choices. Does that make sense? And so we get the shrapnel of people's bad choices. You're like, why have you gone off on this tangent? Read what we just read. Verse seven, so the Lord said, I will wipe away the face of the earth, the human race I have created. And with them, the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along it. What did they do? What did they do? Close proximity. Are you with me? So there's a little side bonus. You could agree, disagree, and we all could go to heaven on that. But I think that's important to hear, especially in the context of what we're talking about here, evil. I mean, you read this passage, and I, I, I just like, ah, oh, evil. So there's some truths in this story that I want to pull out. Okay, I'm not going to pull out all of them, but we're going to, we're going to hit some of the truths in, in the story of Noah that will help us live an unleashed life, choosing faith over fear. The first truth is this. Number one, ready? Write this down. Hearts were evil. I mean, that doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure that one out. Yeah, no, I didn't have to study much, did I? It was right there in the scripture. Right there it says, the Lord saw how great the wickedness was. And so I love doing some word searches of the original language, and this would, also, this would be written in, in, in Hebrew. And let me give you the cliff note version of what this word wickedness means. It means wrongdoing, it means sin, and it means corruption. So the Lord saw how great you and I were making wrong choices, sinning, and were corrupted. <laughs> but here's what blows me away. The thoughts of the human heart was only evil. That's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? It was only evil. But then it gets crazier right after that, right? All the time. This is the opposite of who God is. Did you know that? This is why it bothered him. Look at uh, Psalms 92. Psalms 92 verse 15. It says, the Lord is upright. He is my rock, David says, and there is no wickedness in him. 
This is why wickedness and evil really goes against who God is because it's not who God is. And he detests it. He hates it. This breaks the heart of God, the evil that was in the world then. And by the way, the evil that's in the world today. Psalms chapter five, verse four says, for you are not a God who is pleased with wickedness. David says, with you, evil people are not welcome. Understatement of the sermon. Isn't it amazing how much evil is in the world today? And you know, I'm not a doomsdayer. I'm not a, oh, poor, woe is me. You know, I, I like to call myself a realistic optimist. <laughs> My pie is not pie in the sky stuff, but it's not doomsday. It's just real. But if in the realness, I want to choose the positive. But in order to get the positive, we have to understand the reality of the negative. The times are evil. And it's not just our time, but back then, God is looking. He can't, he can't find us. He could find only one person that did not have wickedness and evil in his heart or her heart at all times. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? Amen? Yes? No? Does this make sense? And I I said this, you know, on the 20th anniversary of 9-11, but isn't it interesting, uh, 9-11, 20 years ago, all that evil hits the world on top of the evil that was already existing. And our response as a nation was to repent. I don't know if you remember that. We actually, we were called to prayer. Some of you weren't even alive. We actually collectively as a, as a nation prayed, did we not? And our leader said, we got to pray. 18 years later, we're hit with a pandemic and there's no sign of revival anywhere. And that's not hopelessness because God is still God and God is still in charge. But that's, it just says like, it, to me, the, 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 the oven, it's getting turned up a little bit more on this thing of evil. And and I could stand up here, I could give you illustration after illustration of all the evil in the world, and I don't want to do that because I don't want to glorify evil. Because then the devil's in the corner going, yeah, keep talking, keep talking. Yeah, I did good on that, right? But the reality is we have to acknowledge some of it. And I could go real deep, and I could get into some deep issues with you guys and controversial things, and we could agree or disagree on the evil part of it or whether it's not. And so I'm not going there, but let me scratch the surface with just something that's happened in my world. And again, on the surface, it's really kind of light, but it just shows how, how things are just kind of digressing. My wife and son, I got home about 4.30 the other day. I think it was on a Tuesday. And they're like, Lisa's like, hey, I'm going to take Easton over the mall. You want to go? I'm like, ah, I'm exhausted. Let me just kick back here. And um, they go over to the mall and they're going to exchange some shirts at a store called Tilly's. Okay. If you're under 25, you probably have never walked into Tilly's, um, but no. But it, you know, it's a fun, fun store for, for some of the teenagers and maybe 70 year olds. I don't know. So they're in the store. They're at the back, Lisa says. And what preceded this is they came home. And I said, how'd it go? And Lisa goes, well, at least I, we paid for our stuff. And I was like, I thought that was kind of weird. And Easton's like, oh, dad, you're not going to believe it. So I turn around and she proceeds to say, they're at the back, paying, you know, getting, trying shirts and belts and whatever on. All of a sudden about, she said about 15 teenagers come in there, 4.30 in the afternoon. And they just start grabbing jeans, shirts, sweatshirts, backpacks. And she says, they just start shoving them under. Some of them shove them under their stuff. Some of them just grab them. And all of them just walk out the front door. Now, there's a lot to this because I'm thinking safety. You know, I'm thinking my wife's in there, my, my boy's in there, and there's a lot of things I could do with that. And then she goes, yeah, she goes, what's weird is there's a security guard, but he can't touch them. 
And so they just watch them. And then she talks to the 16-year-old that's actually working for $15 an hour and says, what, what, what's in the loop? She goes, it happens all the time. I'm ticked. I'm, I'm just going to be honest. Like, I got in trouble when I was probably seven, eight years old for stealing, I kid you not, stealing a piece of round bubble gum from the local supermarket. And I can't make this up. You know who caught me out the back door? The butcher. And back then they wore the white apron with all the blood on it. And he had the knife in his hand intentionally and scared little Robbie Denton for stealing a one cent piece of bubble gum. And now you can gather all this stuff and just walk out the front door. Friday night, just two nights ago, after dinner, we go to Home Depot, 7.30 at night, walking in the front door with a, a, a family and my family. Same thing, guy runs out, he's got these you know, big heavy tools. But in this case, two young Home Depot employees are chasing them and then they're engaging in conversation and of course, I'm gonna sit there and watch. The one employee takes off his apron and sneaks away while the other one engages. Why the, Eason goes, why didn't that guy just keep running? Well, he's not smart enough because he's stealing the stuff anyways. The one employee sneaks up, tackles him, takes it. The guy pulls a knife on him, comes running in. Now I'm supposed to walk around Home Depot and the poor little girl that's with us is scared to death. Why do I share that? Those, those young girls and those young men that are doing that, they're not, they're not bad kids, okay? And there's a lot of forgiveness there, okay? We all do bad things, amen? But what I'm saying is our culture, my 14-year-old has seen something I never, I never would have imagined. It's normal, and that's wrong. And there's a lot of things that we put the label of normal on today that are absolutely wrong and evil in the eyes of God. And at 53 years old, I'm sitting here going, what is going on? Now, I'm not crumbling in the corner, sucking my thumb, afraid, but I'm aware and saddened by it. And if I'm saddened by it, can you imagine how God's heart is saddened by the evil of what is going on in this world? The question is, are you and I as Christ followers going to live an unleashed life and choose faith over fear? Are we going to get sucked into the nonsense of the evil that's going on in our world? And I claim greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Okay, I am not afraid pastor. I have scared moments. But the days are evil. And we need messages and we need men and women that we could hold up and said, if they could do it, we can do it. And that's why the great cloud of witnesses is essential for all of us. And all God's people said, whew. George Barna, George Barna, he's the founder of the Barna Group. It's a market research firm for uh, religion, uh, religious beliefs. Just this week, I heard this stat. 63% of American adults do not trust the local church slash pastors. Six out of 10 adults walking in the United States don't trust the church. A lot has changed from the 50s where the church was the hero. Prayer was in school. The Bible was respected. 
Like I said last week, Ruth Graham said to her husband, Billy Graham, if God doesn't hate this evil of today, then he needs to apologize to the Sodom and Gomorrah of yesterday. God hated evil then, and he hates evil today. Do you? Do I? In your bulletin is a flyer, actually. Today is um, the celebrating of the sanctity of life. And you're like, Pastor, why do you talk about it? You want to talk about evil? There's evil revolved around this topic. And I praise God that we support an organization called Open Arms. And on the flyer, it says this. The Open Arms Pregnancy Clinic is a Christian ministry offering life-affirming services to women and men facing unintended pregnancies and reproductive choices. Here's what's important. We desire to minister God's love to the mother, the father, the baby, and the extended family. Another area of evil that's going on in our world. Again, this isn't a bah humbug, a doomsday kind of message. It's a message to say that there's evil in the world, but there's a lot of good in this world. And you have a ministry like Open Arms Ministry that's not bashing women and men, not shaming men and women that have made good choices and bad choices, but ministering to them with the love of God. And I pray that we, the church, are that way too, amen? I said a couple weeks ago, this place reeks of sin. This place reeks of messiness. And the biggest stench is on the stage. We are messy people serving a, a gracious God, a gracious, gracious God, amen? Whew. I love this, Psalms 23, four. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they come from me. That's why we could choose faith over fear. All that negative stuff that I just shared, it's real. But you know what? It's this big compared to how big our God is. Amen. Are you with me? Romans 12, 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what? Good. Ephesians 6, 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This is good news, my friends. It's true today, and it was true back in Noah's day. But look, Genesis 6, 8 through 10. Genesis 6, 8 through 10. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Did you see that? All this evil. All this wickedness. And then there's the but in the Bible. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. And he walked faithfully with who? He walked faithfully with God. He didn't walk faithfully with fear. He walked faithfully with God. And Noah had three sons. So the second truth that we find in Noah's story is this. Noah found favor. And specifically, Noah found favor with God. God liked what he saw when he looked down on this earth and saw all this evil, saw all this wickedness, but he saw a righteous man in Noah. He was a bright spot in God's eyes. He was a righteous man. He was right with God every step of the way, choosing, choosing faith over fear. Where everybody else was choosing wrong. Everyone else was choosing wickedness. Everyone else was choosing evil. Noah was living out his faith. Amen? 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 says, do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on, it says, hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. That's the call for us as Christ followers. Reject 
all kinds of evil. Hold on to what is good. Are you and I holding on to what is good or are we setting the pace as Christ followers of holding on to fear? Now, if you're, if you're afraid today and if you're struggling with fear, that does not make you a bad person. It makes you human, amen? But that's why I'm preaching so hard because so many of us, even as Christ followers, are choosing to hold on to the bad, holding on to the evil, holding on to the negative in this world. I say, let go in the name of Jesus Christ and hold on to the goodness of God. Hold on to the promises of God. Hold on to the faith that Noah was displaying here in this story, Psalms 97.10 says, let those who love the Lord hate evil. Let those who love the Lord hate evil. You know, it scares me. And you need to think through this through. Because of the events that happened in my family over the last four or five days, I've thought through, what would I do if I was in there? I'm not gonna tell you this is what a, pastor, this is what a Christian or a pastor should do. I'm just telling you what a Rob Denton. If I was in Tilly's, and I saw that going down, I have to admit, I would, I would take one of the kids down. That, that's just, maybe that's evil, maybe that's whatever. But I, I'd be like, no, this kid, you know, I'm not gonna get all 15 of them, but I'll get one. I'll go after the smallest one. <laughs> and then the other night, I mean, part of me really wanted to go after that guy along with the Home Depot employees. But when that one kid came back with the merchandise but said the knife was pulled on him, I'm like, Denton, you just got to realize the reality of what's going on today. And um, that's why security guards just going to let him run by. I'm not saying, and I'm just saying you need to think through this stuff because we don't think through it. We might be, find ourselves in some bad stuff. But here's what I am thinking through. God is in charge. God is good. And I can't fear evil. And I got to model that for my kids. I got to model that for my wife. And I got to model it for my church. Why? Moses modeled it for me. Enoch modeled it for me. Rahab the prostitute modeled it for me. Noah modeled it for me. Noah reminded or remain steadfast even when everyone else was falling apart. And you continue reading the story. You get to Genesis chapter six. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people on the earth had been corrupted in their ways. So God said to Noah, <laughs> he's gonna talk to him. I'm going to put an end to all the people. Like if you're Noah, you're like, what? I'm gonna put an end to all the people. For the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both of them and the earth. So make yourself an ark. I'd be like, what? Make yourself an ark, cypress wood, make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you're to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide and 30, 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof an empty uh, opening one cubic high all around. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on, every, uh, on all the earth to destroy life. Under the heavens, every creature that has breath in its, I'm going to take care of it. Everything on earth will perish. But, but, here's the but, but I'll, but I'll establish a covenant with you and, and uh, you will enter the ark and, and you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives will with you. You are to bring two, two, <laughs> this is funny. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. That's why God didn't call me to build the ark because I'd have an asthma attack. 
Two of every kind of bird, two of every kind of animal, every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and stored away as food for you and for them. Church, I'm not gonna go into the, the, how ridiculous this is. I don't need to, right? You're Noah, not seen a flood, living in the desert. God's gonna destroy everybody but you and your family. He wants you to create an ark, turn it into a floating zoo. And this is all supposed to make sense to you. Sounds like some of you, after you did something weird in the 70s around a campfire. A little hallucination going on there, right? God's not, God's not joking. He hates evil. He's going to get rid of all of it. And he sees a man. And the question is, which is our third truth? I make it a, a question, but you're going to find out the answer. Faith or fear, Noah? Faith or fear? How are you going to respond to this? He says, I'm done. Build a boat a football field and a half long, 75 feet wide, 40 feet high. A floating zoo, as I said. Got it, got, got it, got it, got it? I'd just like to ask you this question. Those of you online, listen, listen, listen. Has God ever asked you to do something crazy? Not build an ark, but maybe he's asked you to leave a job or stay in a job. Leave a marriage or stay in a marriage. Donate some sum of money that you never thought you were supposed to do. Build something. Lead something. I think in my life, you know, to, to start journey, some of you guys know that evening service I started some 20 years ago here. Start a church in a foreign land in Chile. Say yes to being a lead pastor. Starting to celebrate recovery ministry. I mean, these are some of the things that come to my mind. I want to just tell you this. I am so unqualified for every one of those things. And every one of those things, I, if I was honest with you, I said, no, 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 no. And you guys know as lead pastor, I said it for five years now. Always feeling underqualified, undeserving, the wrong person. Can you relate to that? Has God ever asked you to build an ark, quote unquote? And what I've learned is faith over fear is the best way we could always live. In obedience, Noah was a righteous man. That is so key to us living life the correct way, seeing life the correct way, driving everything through faith, not fear. Genesis chapter six, verse 22, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. That means Noah chose faith. Genesis 7, 5, and Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. In the face of his critics, he still chose faith. You see, Noah lived an unleashed life. By the way, he was really old, maybe like 600 years old. It's never too late to live faith over fear. Genesis 7, 17, for 40 days, the flood kept coming on the earth and the waters increased and they lifted the ark high above the earth. And then you continue reading and, and it says everything God would do and all the living things in verse 21 that moved on the land, perished, birds, livestock, animals, all the creatures that swarmed the earth, all of mankind, everything on dry land that had breath of life. 
in its nostrils died. That leads me to the fourth truth. God keeps his word. You and I might not keep our words. Coach may not have kept his word. Teacher or parent might not have kept their word. Boss, God keeps his word. If he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. He flooded the earth and he saved Noah's family just like he said he would. And eventually the water dried up and the ark came to rest on a mountaintop. And Noah separated the curtains his wife made because she had nothing else to do while he was feeding all the the animals. And they looked out and they looked out to see if there was hope. If God was a man of his word and they sent a dove out and that dove came back, that was not good news because if the dove came back, that meant there was nowhere for the dove to land. But seven days later, he sent a dove out again looking for hope. And in verse, chapter seven, verse five, and Noah did all that, or uh, seven, Genesis eight, six. After 40 days, Noah opened a window he made in the ark. Then you go down to verse 11. When the dove returned to him in the evening, there, is a, there in the beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. Then Noah, then Noah knew that the, Lord, the water had receded from the earth. Do you see that? You and I might not think that's a big deal that there was a leaf. That might not be a big deal that there was an olive branch, but it was a big deal to Noah because Noah was smart enough to know that the only way that that dove could get that was there was somewhere that that dove could land, that there was dry land and God was faithful. You and I need those olive leaves. You and I need those olive branches. And I want to tell you something. What the ark did for that family and those animals was to allow them to rise above the evil and the flooding that was going on below them. And the fifth truth of today is probably the most important one. Jesus is our ark. Because he has not called us to build an ark, but we are living in a time of evil. And instead of God going, well, you know what? I'm going to make another deal because he did make a deal, by the way, with no one said, you know what? I'm going to make a commitment. Every time it rains, there's going to be a rainbow that says, I'm not going to kill all of you. (laughs) So every time you see a rainbow like I did yesterday, that is God speaking and reminding us of the promise that he's not going to wipe out the earth again. All right? So God is a covenant-keeping God. He's a promise-keeping God. But he looked around heaven, and the same problem was evil was about. So this time he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send my one and only son. Jesus is our ark. Jesus keeps us afloat above evil. And when we choose to get off the ark, we get sucked into it. We choose to get on the ark of Jesus Christ. He pulls us up and out of it. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Well, I'm sweating today. Whew. This is good stuff because it's God's stuff. The truth, hearts were hearts are evil and they're evil today. Noah found favor with God. Are you finding favor with God? Faith over fear. God keeps his word and Jesus is our ark. Here's the action item. Are you right with God? And secondly, will you claim his promises over your life. And all God's people said, Father, thank you. We bless you and thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember, Lord, your tender mercy. Thank you for listening. For more information, 
Please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day. Forget all my rebellion